Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the beautiful Enmore Theatre. This glorious, newly restored Enmore Theatre packed to the gills with glorious chatters. Yes, theatre is back! My friends, we are here tonight on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation. We extend our respect and thanks to elders past, present and emerging. A reminder that sovereignty was never ceded. And this always was, always will be, Aboriginal land. My beautiful friends, in a plot twist that will both astonish and disappoint you, <laughs> I am neither Lee Sales nor Annabelle Crabb. <laughs> Though it is true that if you took a six-foot blonde Viking and gave her Annabelle Crabb's curl, I'm not, I'm not far from being their long-lost love child, you know? My name is Virginia Gay. I, oh. It's great when you have family in. I was not even meant to be a part of this show tonight. Um, Annabelle Crabb just found me uh, dressed like this, wandering the Oporto's car park. And was like, do you want to do something about that? I was like, yes, please help me. It is my great honour to introduce the special guest here this evening. The one, the only, Lee Peter Sales! I'm getting this is your life vibes. <laughs> Our very first segment this evening is a video message. And I have been given very specific instructions from Annabelle Crabb that when you see who this video message is from, you're going to want to scream. <laughs> and she begs you, it's only 40 seconds, just hold that scream in for as long as you possibly can. My friends, can we have the first video message this evening? Chatters, um, welcome to Enmore Theatre and to Annabelle's Night. Uh, thank you for coming. Um, this is Yotamo Tolenghi, if you haven't recognized me yet. Uh, and I am your leader, of course. Um, thank you for choosing Annabelle's Night. I hate saying it, but she is the subtly more talented of the two. I haven't said that. Um, so, yeah, thank you for choosing her night. And also, I wanted to say one other little thing. I invented the cauliflower cake especially for you guys. Mm. Uh, I hope to see you all very, very soon. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and that's just the beginning. <laughs> my friends, it is my even greater honour to welcome to the stage right now the architect of all this chaos. <laughs> Direct from 17, se se 17, 76. <laughs>
nerd dancing the jig of a Scotsman dropped in the middle of a forgotten spot in deep Brisburbia. Her workspace neat, her sense of humour dirty. Grow up to be the host of 7.30. Well, she's a six-foot soldier's daughter who went and fought her way through deep water by doing what he taught her by giving no man quarter by giving no man quarter forgot that line by 21 she was a gold coast reporter And every day when stories were being ported and ported away across the waves, she struggled and kept her guard up. Inside, she was longing for something to be a part of. The sister was ready to journalist a little hard out. Then Guantanamo came. An Aussie was detained and our chick got David Hicks stick sticking in her brain. Took a look, wrote a book, and never was the same, man. The writing fired her brain. It was burning. Well, then the newsroom turned around and said, This chick is insane, man. Memorising facts and figures. Jeez, what is she? Rain, man. Book her on a flight because she is too big for Brisbane. And the world's going to know her name. What's her name, man? Um, Lee Sales. (laughs) Sorry. Lee Peter Sales AM. Her name is Lee Peter Sales AM. She has an order of Australia. Don't you know? Of course you know. Because she never shuts up about it. In 2010, she got a split hosting shift on Late Line. Two years later, sees her replacing Carrie O'Brien. Half seven, sitting in her own seat. The news beat. And And Lee Lee got got better, putting Polly's in the hot seat. (laughs) Moved into a podcast, a podcast committed to all things book and bunk related. And occasionally she sings, but her voice said, Lee, you gotta write for yourself. She started retreating and reading every treaties on the shelf. Much less time to write for someone less uptight She would have been right to just turn off the light At nine o'clock each night She started writing Fighting for the time to type out each line Talking people into telling her about their bad times Scamming for every fact she could get her hand on Damn it, it was worth it Cause she wrote the book It lands on the bestseller list Now she can't be ignored She walks off with a Walkley Award She walks off with a Walkley Award. She walks off with a Walkley Award. She walks off with a Walkley Award. A Walkley. It's her third. Lee Peter Sales AM. Oh, she will do the Highland fling for you. But she never backs down. She never. Let's me go over time. Oh, Lee Peter Sales, I am. 
like a pig. Um, <laughs> that was so good. I just... That was so good. Oh, my God. Wow. Uh, this costume is polyester to the... Like, I am actually going to pass out. Um, can I have a giant hand for Ruth Giddy, who has now disappeared from the stage, but... So, Ruth is my daughter's piano teacher, and uh, <laughs> not long ago, Jeremy emailed and said, well, I suppose you'd be interested, and she's like, there was like a bit of a few hours before she replied, and I'm like, Jeremy, that is a really weird thing to ask your kid's <laughs> piano teacher. She's like, I would love to. And so, how great is she, and also the great Virginia Gay, who was... <laughs> Seriously, this is plastic. Yes. It's, it's well, plastic. Gloriously, you have a story about your... Um, this came from Amazon, didn't it? it, it Amazon's it's, finest. It's, um, yep. Um, um, but this, just for the chatters in the crowd, and specifically for you, I, I'm working with Belfar at the moment, and I went into their um, storage cupboard, and I was like, anything, anything that could evoke this? <laughs> and they went, oh, you mean this perfectly glorious... Rabe outfit. It's a rabe outfit. It's a literal Pamela Rabe outfit. Oh, wow. From Ghosts in Belvoir. It was meant to happen. I love it. It is perfection, and rabe. I don't think you're ever taking it off. No, I'm fine rabe. rabe. Um, can I also just massive shout out to Platinum Chatter Kate Knott, who is responsible for some of the cleverest words in that. Oh, like, right. So, oh, well yeah. done. That was... Fantastic. So when I read her in 2010, she got a split hosting shift in late line on late line. Two years later, replacing Kerry O'Brien. I'm like, you're a genius um, because yeah, that is a very that is very good. Yes. Yep. So thank you very much, Kate. Not um, well Master done. Baker and you know superb lyricists. Um, 
Masturbator. Yeah, <laughs> Masturbator. Thank okay. you for bringing down the tone. So, Ginny Gay back again just seemed like a sensible thing, particularly when I remembered that I can't sing. Uh, you were in LA and I texted you and said, Is there any, like, oh, can you help? She says, I would love to. I'd be honoured. <laughs> I'd be honoured. It was glorious. My God. I mean, that's the kind of mad thing that I love to do, just generally. Imagine how much more I love to do it for Lisa Elton and Annabelle Crab. <laughs> so glorious. What a treat. Well, um, it's been a great pleasure. And um, can you quickly just tell us what you are um, doing at the moment? Because I, every time I catch up with you, you seem to be Zooming somewhere and doing something impressive. <laughs> Could you give us a snapshot of the current impressive Zoomy things? Yes, absolutely. Zoom, thrillingly, not actually meaning Zoom for once. Oh, it's so thrilling to be back in actually like a live theatre space. My God. What a treat. Um, right? Right? So good. Uh, so uh, we're doing uh, Midsummer Night's Dream with the Sydney Symphony Orchestra. Belvoir is putting that on. That's four performances in late August. That's going to be a treat. And they said... In which role are you playing? Well, this is it. They said, do you want to come and be in Midsummer Night's Dream? And I was like, what role? <laughs> and they went, puck. <laughs> and I went, I think the world is ready for a six-foot Amazon puck. <laughs> I think the world is ready for that physical presence when you're playing a fairy goblin. Were you just waiting for, like, Titania? Yeah, to, yeah like, which I played first when I was 16. You know, like, immediately, let's go to the mother roles. Um, and then the most exciting thing that is happening, which fills my heart, but I will actually wait till it opens this time to celebrate, is that Cyrano is coming back. Oh, yeah. great. <laughs> oh. So that's opening in Melbourne. I mean, fingers crossed it's opening this time. Uh, it's opening, it got closed down on opening night it closed down two hours before opening it opened. Opening and closing night. Oh. It's yeah, like it a marvellously romantic mix-up. Um, can you just yes. quickly tell anybody here who is untutored in yes. the detail of what this spectacular undertaking is? Uh, okay, so Cyrano... What have you done, Virginia? <laughs> what have I done? Uh, Cyrano is the story of Cyrano de Bergerac, and I saw the show with James McAvoy in it, and I was like, I have to play that role. Um, and it's a queer female retelling of Cyrano, and it's all about somebody who has isolated themselves to protect the people that they love, the person that they love. And as I was writing it, as lockdown started in LA, I was like, wait, that's all of us. We're all doing that right now. We're keeping ourselves separate to protect the thing that we love. So it's about how you come out of isolation, how you risk love again, and how, you, how dangerous it is to fall in love with someone and, and how wonderful. Oh, awesome. <laughs> Is there any chance you can just wear that, though? Because I'm very attached to this gear. I mean, I'm ready to do it. I may wear this for the rest of my life. I I'd think be fine so. With it. And it's going to have that sort of stage costume reek within about a couple of days. And to be honest, it already has that reek. <laughs> One thing that I only re realised yesterday because you told me yeah. was that stage costumes, like, tell me what they do to protect them. No. It's, it's a very odd thing. Yeah, because you nervous sweat a lot. I'm yeah. doing it right now, yeah. But this is more about the glad wrap that I'm wrapped in. <laughs> um, they put just maxi pads, just like three underneath each armpit. And sometimes three isn't enough. <laughs> horrifying, absolutely horrifying, but true. So have you got some winged creatures under your armpits there to protect the property of Rube. But no, I forgot my winged creatures. Uh, I love how instead of like, fine. you know, we could change that kind of ads instead of like people on bicycles going on heavy days. It could just be you coming off stage. <laughs> on heavy days. 
just just us off at the end of this concert experience right now. Oh, God, yeah. No, I need a stack. I need a whole family-sized box for what's going on here. Oh, yes. That's a a warm knee is what I'm feeling there right now. It really is a warm and a moist knee. Hello. Hello. (laughs) Well, thank you for rescuing that performance. um, Oh, my God. Because I could not be more pathetically grateful. Oh, my God. What an honour. You know I mean that. Couldn't be more thrilled. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, Thank you. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, Virginia Gay! (laughs) Oh, my God. So when I arrived out the back, Crab was wearing, like, overalls or something, and she'd said to me earlier today... My outfit's pretty hectic. And I actually said that to Chris. I said, oh, Crab, I don't, do you know what Crab's wearing? He's like, oh, no, no. And I said, she said it's pretty hectic. And he was like, oh, I love hectic. <laughs> and then when, so I walked in and she had overalls on and then she stripped and uh, Virginia Gay and I had been like, we we're pretty much halfway through planning a cabaret show. And um, so we, we'd been singing a song from Chicago in the dressing room at Top Note. And then Crab kind of pulled half her overalls off and she had like a skin tight kind of black leotardy thing on. And so I said, oh, are you doing Chicago today? <laughs> and then next thing, I've gone out to get a glass of champagne. I've turned around, I've come in, and she's just got the frilly white blouse on. And suddenly, the hair tweaked, and I went, I think I know what you're doing. And Crab's daughter, Ord's caught the shot of me at the moment when I tweaked. It's just like... <laughs> I couldn't communicate just how reckless the undertaking was about to be, though. Mm. That, that was amazing. Okay, that's been... Sheer audacity. <laughs> well, look, I mean, it is... Who was here last night? Was there... Oh, yeah, OK. There's some wow. recidivists. Wow, that's a troublesome area, right? I'll keep an eye on those people. Hello. Oh, I recognise all those faces. Yeah. Uh, well, so last night, um, as you know, the theme of this two uh, double-header block of shows, because we had to find a way to cut down the work for us, uh, was that sales would prepare one evening and supervise it as a surprise to me, and I would supervise and prepare the second evening as a surprise to sales. And we didn't have really ground rules laid about exactly what that would mean. And what it's really meant is um, that we've ended up with two nights that are all about Lee sales. And that is oh. like, it's like, it's been awesome and perfectly fine because my interpretation is to put together an evening that will delight Lee sales, which is actually also Lee's interpretation too. So it's... <laughs> And the other thing... I'm viewing it as a (laughs) (laughs) win-win. And the other thing that, I mean, often happens when we do ambitious things and plan them for a long time away, which is always a relaxing way to go, you say, yes, of course, on June 24th and 25th, I'll absolutely feel like putting on two nights of um, uh, consecutive theatre. But... um, this show, of course, these shows were cancelled and then delayed and then cancelled and delayed again, and they've lobbed up here, which is uh, the point of Lee Sales's uh, stewardship of 7.30, at which she has only five, four shows to go. Four shows to go. It's her last yes. weekend as host of 7.30. Yeah. So she's obviously super relaxed, uh, very relaxed, but she has made a real cracking start on the tracksuit pants, I, I see. I have. Can you just hop I up have. and give us a little twirl? Because that is luxe loungewear right there. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. 
It's going to be... I, I've actually been giving away my suit jackets and blazers at work. Like, I spot someone who's roughly the right Dude. size and go, you. Like, well, Suzanne, who I work with, the other day, I had this blazer that was used in an election um, shoot thing. And I went, you. So it's soiled. This is going to look great on you. It, it, it's like... You know, is it, is it Sally Field in that film where she's giving away all of her children? It's like that. I'm giving away all of the, like, clothes. And so the thing that I think is going to be terrible for Sarah Ferguson is that everyone's going to be dressed as me when she arrives on the first day. <laughs> so, so you're giving away the iconic ones. What, like... Mum's third wedding and regional well, Amer- I'm Italian hanging on to Mum's third wedding in case Mum has a third wedding. Uh, <laughs> no, but um, yeah, no, because you, you associate, I, I associate them all with work. A lot of those clothes, they're lovely clothes, but a lot of them, I just feel like, oh, I just, yeah, they're, they're like uniforms almost. In fact, sometimes when I get home from work, if someone's waiting to have a drink with me, I'll say, I'm just going to change out of my school uniform. So, yeah, I kind of... I mean, maybe if I just put them away for a while and then see them, they'll be like old friends. But at the moment, I feel like you, regional Italian airline, back of the cupboard. (laughs) Well, I would like to see them all at the powerhouse, you know, displayed (laughs) with their nicknames because I can't get enough of that. Like, I mean, you two give those outfits some very crazy and and fun names. Do you know what? I think actually probably... I mean, I think next week will be quite emotional on a few levels, but I think... for me and Chris will probably be the hardest thing because that is the best hour. I don't know if anyone follows me here on Instagram and you see my little videos that I do with Chris. Um, he's just my makeup artist. He, he's just the most delightful human and we have so many laughs, including at home today where I got made up and it was just like tears were rolling down my face. I wrecked the bottom of the eye makeup, which Belinda's had to do a repair job on. And so that um, that's going to be hard to kind of, you know, say goodbye to knowing I'm having an hour with him every day, you know. How do you say goodbye to the man who draws on your face? (laughs) Probably with some very camp kind of video where we'll carry on like idiots and, yeah. Yeah, that was last night. I think some of you might have seen it. (laughs) OMG. Um, Last night I had to dress up as 1980s Madonna because Lee wanted to dress up as 1990s Madonna. So... That all worked out fine, again, for Lee. So, um, look, it is pretty nice, though, to be back in this theatre. It's like, how cool is this refit that this theatre has had? It looks beautiful. Yes. And the, I'm still not really over the novelty of being in a theatre with a bunch of people. Like, there's it's 300 so people in here, and it's, like, incredible. Because we have had a few years of horrific, just being lonely and kind of isolated and worried and all of that stuff. I'm not saying that anyone's, you know, stopped being worried, (laughs) speaking of myself. Um, (laughs) But I do um, want to shout out to one person who made lockdown really, really good. And it was a totally surprising person that you and I both kind of fell in love with at the same time because we started watching his sweary cooking videos (laughs) online. And so part of my little treat for you this evening <laughs> is we've got the sweary in person. Um, <laughs> Nat, ladies and gentlemen, that's what I reckon! Woo! Woo! <laughs> yeah. in the middle. <laughs> so my daughter, Kate, who's nine, <laughs> is like the full swearing police. Like, she's a... 
full swear jar person <laughs> and she tends to like pull out a bit of paper and make notes and marks and record and even backstage she's just like that guy yeah I got in trouble already trouble <laughs> um, and then Shit. you also did the ru- <laughs> you also did the rude finger apparently in a, in a selfie backstage yeah, yeah so no, I'm, I'm already in fucking trouble that was noted <laughs> Well, my kids, so my kids watched From the Wings last night and at a certain point quite early in the show I looked over and they were no longer visible and they were watching From the Wings because it's the first time they'd ever come to a Chat 10 show and I thought they might get bored if they were in the crowd and want to leave. So I said, I'll let them watch From the Wings and then their dad can um, take them off. Anyway, because it was a surprise for me tonight who was coming, um, their dad texted me today and said, oh, the kids thought you were amazing last night and they want to come again tonight. And then when we were out the back and they arrived, of course, they've just looked straight past me to Nat, who they are massive fans of, and they replicate, without swearing, his videos where they do like, you know, you can't cook with jar sauce, you have to make your bolognese from scratch, and they do all these little takes. And so then I tweaked, hang on, they didn't think I was amazing last night, they knew that Nat was coming, and that's why they wanted to come back. Well, I can reveal, uh, tragically for you, Lee, that... Um, they knew that Nat was coming, but they didn't know on which night. <laughs> so they turned up super stoked. And then when I briefed that it wasn't last night, they, uh, they oh, went home. Oh, that's they went home. <laughs> Fuck. No. I want my money back. Guys. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's a tough call, yeah, but... Nat, you're their mummy now. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> How's that going to roll? That's terrifying. <laughs> so now that we've got you here and you're our prisoner and one mm. of us is dressed as a 1770s, you know, founding father, um, <laughs> could you just give us a quick insight into how that all happened? Because, like, all of a sudden, because you're, you know, a punk man a comedian, and suddenly you're a, uh, a punk man. I believe that's a, you know, a, that's a accepted it. noun. Um, yeah. And then suddenly you're a cooking uh, person. Cooking man. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of came from necessity, I suppose. We were kind of... Uh, we'd moved to LA, me and my partner, Jules. She's here somewhere. G'day, Julesy. Woo! Greatest woman alive. Yeah. Yeah, she is. Uh, yeah, we moved to LA to give uh, YouTubing a real crack. And uh, swanning about Roswell looking for aliens and shit like that. And then we came back to uh, Australia and subletted a place for a minute to get our visa shit sorted. And uh, yeah, coronavirus um, happened. So we were staying in a mate's place in someone's bedroom. We were just staying in their room with all their shit. and started making cooking videos because we were in lockdown. Went to the shops and saw that everyone was fucking buying all that stupid shit. <laughs> Was it just Hawaiian pizzas, a dunny roll, and fucking jar sauce? I'm like, <laughs> Do you have these a are all theory? fucked. <laughs> Do you have a theory about how humanity just regressed at that time? Like, well, it's pa- you panic. You don't. You're not at your best when you're panicking. You know, I'm like shit. Better buy a fucking frozen frisbee and a 25 toilet rolls. I saw the handy ultra wipe started to go after that. That's not, that's not okay. You like can't those, flush that, by the, the way. The, even, but they're called flushable, just not flushable at all. I reckon, no, no, it makes sense that you need to use a lot of toilet roll. You're fucking eating all that shit all the time, mate. <laughs> but listen, I mean, 
now that we have you here as a consultant from the male gender, <laughs> I do understand that the principal users of the moist, flushable toilet wipes mm. are you Probably people. Fellas, yeah. yeah. So can you give us an insight into that world? Because I don't understand it yeah. at all. I mean, I've never even bought one of those Femfresh wipe things. I mean, mm. I'm just, I'm absolutely not into it. This yeah. night started so classily. Yeah. <laughs> I fucking ruined it. <laughs> I think that uh, maybe it's got something to do with that kind of man-sized tissue shit. Right. That fucking beach towel we all need for our... Or like the full salada, not the half one, like the man-sized salada See, where you use all the four squares. Is there a man-sized salada? Yeah, because... Um, don't you remember the ad? Yeah, bite but, size, like, bite snack size, size, snack size, man, man size. size. Oh, fuck off yeah. of that shit. It pisses me off. <laughs> Fits Still's a whole like, cheese slice. Oh, fantastic. A big masculine cheese slice. <laughs> Lucky us. <laughs> well, <laughs> we just took aim at those fucking stupid man size, like frozen meals, like man sized meatballs. The fuck, what well, you can't eat 500 grams of food if you're a woman. It's too much. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's in the same school, that shit. It's just like blokes reckon they need bigger stuff because they're bigger dickheads, probably. <laughs> that's my... Yeah, all right. Still doesn't answer. really get me through the toilet wipe situation, but well, I mean... Okay, well, it's... I don't know. Maybe you've got more purchase or something. <laughs> <laughs> Strongest when wet. <laughs> that's a tremendous use of the term purchase. <laughs> <laughs> On the wipe situation, I got a lecture the other day from our friend Mia about not not bum wipes, but you know the Johnson and Johnson like face cleanser wipes. Oh yeah. yeah, right. So she said to me, she's gotten big on skincare. She's like, "What do you use to cleanse your face?" And I said, "Ah, oh, just those you know Johnson and Johnson wipes." She was like, "What?" And I said, "Yeah." And she goes, "No, let me tell you what that's like. Doing that on your face is like you wipe your bum, but you never have a shower." <laughs> <laughs> She said it's not proper face cleansing. Right, but That's you're like, she just assumed that you never shower. That's all <laughs> yeah. you do. But it was kind of, it, it, it certainly hit home to me and now I've started using a cream cleanser. <laughs> You've been shamed. I've been shamed, yeah. I felt like, every time I was doing them on my face, I felt like, this is like wiping your bum but never having a shower. <laughs> <laughs> That's ruined that cleansing experience for you forever. It has, yeah. And it was a shame because it was quick and easy. All right, so we've covered how you got onto jar sauce, but I mean, I would like to go back a little further because you were sort of a pretty naughty kid, right? I mean, I'm kind of sensing that generally from your demeanour. Also, I've seen your show where you talk about being a phenomenally naughty kid. A naughty kid? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't like the worst shithead. I was just like, I don't know, I was just a kid with a... It wasn't well, I suppose. I just didn't have... I had a very complicated childhood. A lot, of, uh, a lot of church that didn't really work well for me and shit like that. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean, I do have a nagging question uh, mm. for you, Nat, and it is... How, and I, I have no idea um, what the answer is, which is why I'm putting it to you directly. You seem like the you know, most available authority. Um, how did the Pentecostal church system produce both you and Scott Morrison? <laughs> <laughs> no judgment here. I'm dressed as a founding father, so uh, you just give it 
Oh, Give mate, us both barrels. It loves producing dickheads, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I fucking have no idea. <laughs> Do you know what? I, I opted wanna... out a while ago. I want to check if my children are still watching because I want to see who they actually love the best, me or Nat. Oh, no, now, fuck. let me just... I'm just going to have a look. This my is kids, really dialing oh, up. This is fucking here. heavy. They're still here. They're still here. They've hung in for Nat. At this time last night, they are actually gone. Right, well, I know... <laughs> I know who won't be getting McDonald's for dinner next Friday night. (laughs) How many swears so far, Kate? So So many. many. Yeah. (laughs) You're in massive trouble. So, but like, what, I mean, what is life like growing up in the Pentecostal church? I mean, what's the main themes that you recall? Um, It's pretty full time. It's not really, there's not not much time off. Mum... So part of the church, she's like a singer and uh, leads a choir and stuff. And dad was a minister, and you know, it's all very, it's a very fucking long story. But there's lots of like, because it's a very performative church. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of singing and dancing and shit going on. There's a lot of rehearsing, so it's, it's all week. You go to church during the week to practice for church, and then you got to turn up early and do practice church for the church that's on, and then there's church on after that, and then there's lunch. <laughs> Lunch church, it's fucking five church. It's too much church. Do you know what I, do you know, so my ex-husband's father is a Pentecostal minister and so I spent lots of time in my late teens in that environment. And do you know what I reckon the lasting legacy is? Earworms of church songs. Like yeah. every now and again, I'll be sitting around somewhere out of absolutely nowhere, we'll bubble up like, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Yeah. Do you know that one? Don't know that one, but I know a couple. <laughs> but you know, yeah, exactly. And they just come out of nowhere. You're like, oh, why have I got this earworm now? Damn bangers. <laughs> Damn you, Jeff Bullock. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you're turning up to all the practices and everything and you're yeah. kind of boiling inside and thinking, one day. Yeah, I think I'd like, there's a lot of not paying a great deal of attention. I think that's where uh, my attention problems come from because I'm like, fuck, this is boring. You know what I mean? It's like, what kid gives a fuck about that shit? So it's just a lot of that. And the school's a bit the same. I'm just like, does anyone know what the fuck's going on here? Like, <laughs> year 10 came and they're like, you can leave now. I'm like, fucking see ya. <laughs> it's the same shit at the church. As soon as I saw a gap, I was off like a shot. So what did you do after you took off after year 10? Uh, after year 10, I... Uh, <laughs> This is not a job interview. I mean, like, just... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I've got a bad habit of being a little bit too open about things. Um, I smoked a lot of bongs and went to university, but I uh, failed the university bit. Yeah, I tried to go to music uni and had a crack at that, but that was just... I think I just needed something to do. And I, think my, uh, I don't think my dad was happy with me just not going to school, you know? So you've got to fucking do something. Off to music uni, which is great. Met some good mates, joined some annoying death metal bands. It was good. <laughs> but comedy, though, like, how did that? Mm. How did you get cracking on that? That's, I suppose, more a kind of recent thing. I've just been a rat bag for ages, taking the piss and laughing at stuff for forever. It's kind of my coping thing. But um, the stand-up things, kind of, in the last six, seven years, I've started doing that, and then making videos, and it's just kind of. Seemed to make sense. No, I'm not going to make a career out of death metal anytime soon, so. <laughs> Imagine if somebody back then had said, you know, in 10 years' time, you're going to be sitting on stage with a couple of middle-aged ladies. 
I'm going to be going to be quizzing you like a job interview. It's living the dream on a Saturday night. Yeah, I'm stoked. I'm fucking. I'm I'm stoked. I'm loving it. Yeah. Well, you have to be because you're our prisoner. Yeah. We were we were talking out the back actually, me and Nat, about how great our audience is. That it's such a warm crowd. It's really yeah. nice. Yeah, you guys are fucking champions. <laughs> I could hear you before I came out. I was like, how good is this? He was at he was at a place, a pub in um, was it Rockhampton the other day called Berserker. Yeah, the Berserker Tavern. <laughs> And I, was, I walked out on stage and I was like, here's the name of this pub. And everyone's like, it's called Bursica. <laughs> <laughs> so, fuck off, it's called the Bursica. It's named after like a, a trance-like rage Viking, isn't it? No, like, great name for a pub. No one got it. How does... <laughs> no one. How does the vibe here compare to the Bursica? It's a bit different. <laughs> so anyone had the palmy here tonight? <laughs> I reckon the queue for the ladies is probably longer here. Isn't it? Like, one Possibly. of the things that when I first went to see you live, Nat, I was, I mean, I was obviously very interested in seeing you, but I also was really interested to see what the crowd was like. Mm. Yeah, what was the crowd like? Completely diverse. Like, yeah. it's actually nuts. Because there's... Just every kind of person you could possibly imagine. It's really interesting. In fact, I went to see you at the factory theatre not very long ago and I spent half the time just rubbernecking around, just going, this is the greatest group of people. Like, yeah. it just... I don't know. It, it completely defied categorisation. Like, Do you know why, um, if I might be so bold, as to just suggest why, <laughs> rather than allow you to answer yourself well, we about are your number own him, so. <laughs> um, oh, no, I, think, I think that... What, what I really love about you is your message about lowering expectations and not buying into expectations that society might have. For, you know, if you want to cook something for yourself at home, it's got to be awesome and you have to chop a certain way and where you're just like, I don't really give a shit. Just chop it, get it in the pot and just, you know, if you've got out of bed today and you've made an effort, good on you, champion. And I just think that that's why it's a diverse demographic because that's a message we all need to hear and we all appreciate. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I agree. Thanks very much. Yeah, we are. Thanks. Yeah, I'm stoked. The, the crowds that turn up are just unreal. Everyone's just, you can't pick it. You can't. Just from every age, every gender, everyone's up for a laugh. And that's something everyone's into, is up for a laugh. And I think everyone likes swearing too, just quietly. Oh, sure. We all love a bit of swearing. Um, also, um, you do get a few people playing along from home. Like, you get a lot of very amusing email and uh, social message <laughs> media contacts. Yep. They normally seem to come through in the sort of 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. to 2 a.m. Oh, slot. Yeah. yeah, I've stopped looking at that shit. All right. Yeah, I mean, I had a, I had a moment there, particularly in the earlier days of social media, you can get a bit excited about all the, you know, the comments and stuff. You've got to stop looking at that shit after a while. But, yeah, I get some pretty pissed up stuff at about 2.30 in the morning. People <laughs> sending me videos of them just sculling a beer. <laughs> Good on you, champ. <laughs> what do you think people expect you to be? Like... Their mate. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think it's their mate. Yeah. And that's nice. So I try not to judge that stuff too much. I'm like, oh, it's a great northern. Yuck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> poor bastard. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, I, I try and I judge people, but I'm like, yeah, that's nice that people feel familiar. Yeah. You can backfire in public a bit, but yeah, it's nice that people feel that way. I'm uh, lucky. One thing that I really notice about your comedy, though, which is really interesting, I think, is that you are like are an absolute master in ripping the piss out of things like tissue boxes in Camrys. I mean, like, <laughs> when did you first notice that? Because that is my absolute number one daylight second video of yours. If you haven't seen it, just, I mean, if the, the search terms tissue box, Camrys, and that's what I reckon doesn't get you there, then there's something wrong with the, the search Computer's engine. Computer's fucked, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's been shitting me for ages. It's like, I don't know, forever. Since Camrys came out, I think they were just pumping tissues into the back window. <laughs> So was this thing a fucking ambulance? Or was it like sick people in the back? <laughs> Keep seeing it everywhere. Like everywhere. I saw it fucking three times today. <laughs> You've never stopped looking. Like you're oh, always vigilant. I found that with all my video stuff too. If something's pissing me off for ages, I'm like, I'm going to say something about it. Like, and then before you know it, 40 people have been like, exactly, I've seen that shit. Yeah, after you did the tissue box Camry thing, Crab was like, I just see it everywhere now. I see it everywhere. They're absolutely yeah. everywhere. But what is it with, I mean, it's not even in reaching distance, no. right? Like, it's, it's not only just the tissue box no. in the back window, it's in the passenger side back window. Like, there's no way, unless you've got an inspector gadget situation happening, that you could ever blow your nose on any of those tissues. What? No, with Jules and I, we rented a Camry just to fucking try and work it out. <laughs> Did. You did not. Yeah. Remember we turned up with fucking eight tissue boxes or something? <laughs> Person's like, what the fuck's going on here? This tattooed bloke wants to rent a Camry. And we were like, has to be a Camry. They're like, okay. <laughs> I don't think anyone's been that particular. Must be a Camry. <laughs> Can't be a Kia Carnival. It must be a Camry. Oh, I wouldn't. I don't overlook the Kia Carnival. No, we just rented one of those too. Absolute <laughs> weapon. <laughs> We needed nine seats with three of us. It's so manoeuvrable as well. Yeah, it's a, it is. Yeah, it's a real, yeah, it's, it's aptly named the carnival. <laughs> it's like being at the fair. <laughs> yeah, we rented the Camry and put tissues in them all over, put them on the roof and the fucking outside, and we time trialed it, remember? Everywhere else was quicker. Everywhere else. The glove box, you dickhead. <laughs> Sticky tape it at the fucking roof. I don't know. It's weird. I'm surprised you haven't been signed up by the by the car manufacturer. I mean, I can. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> they probably think I'm a fuckwit. <laughs> Chances are. But look, the thing is, you do have a good time um, being very unkind about obviously Camrys, but I've never really seen you be directly cruel to a person. Yeah, not on camera at least, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, try not to be, yeah. Try to punch in the right direction, I suppose, yeah. I think that stuff's important. Particularly, you know, it's not, much, it's not really that funny to kind of make fun of other people. You know, the internet's full of that shit too. Just people like, ooh, look at this fucking dickhead, you know. That's kind of what I'm trying to do to myself. I just, yeah, I think it's, uh, it makes it more interesting, keeps people thinking, you know, it's easy to be like, oh, look, someone fell over, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, I try to, try to pick more interesting topics than that stuff. 
Is that a shit answer? Yeah, no, no, it's a very <laughs> good answer. That's a great answer. Well, it's I, little, I have done, you know, I've fucking laughed at some dumb shit before, but <laughs> I'll try to uh, pull myself up on it, you know. Look, I think that jar sauce and that weird um, egg thing that cooks a sort of an egg penis oh, thing yeah. that you've, you've, you've done on your shows. The egg I bastard. Mean, <laughs> the egg bastard. <laughs> the egg master. Yeah. yeah, wow. It's a sort of a machine that makes you a sort of an egg lollipop thing. <laughs> it's fucked, it's, yeah. It's very... Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a, like a, a heated element ch- cylindrical tube that you crack, yeah. you spray oil into and crack eggs into it, and then you put a skewer in it and it poops the egg out oh. in a log. Oh, that sounds delicious. I've it's eaten the- 37 of them on tour. <laughs> <laughs> They're fucked. <laughs> Not good. <laughs> so, so bad. So the other thing that, I mean, I think Sales and I both n- clocked you doing and thought that it was a really good thing during lockdown was just talking a lot about mental health. Mm. And, you know, you've talked a lot about being an anxious person. And I don't really, like, how does an anxious person end up doing what you do? It just seems like a completely nuts career choice. Yeah, it's a bad choice yeah. sometimes. <laughs> Even now, I'm shitting myself, you know. It's, just, it's true, though. Like, I am, I am, like, I am a very anxious person. I have very high functioning, though. I think it helps to talk about that stuff. It's been a problem for so long, like, my mental health. It's been taking me out of work for ages and fucked my life up heaps. It's brought things to very dodgy places in my life, you know. It's just been, like, fuck talking about it. It's been the only thing that's really consistently helped, so... As soon as I gave that a crack on the channel, I think it wasn't even really that intentionally. I was just, so I, called, I started to say little bits and pieces about how I was feeling about things and, you know, I pulled the video down. I was like, oh, sorry guys, didn't feel great about it. And yeah, it got a really great response. So I just thought, well, keep talking about it. Can't hurt, you know. And here we are, talking about it heaps. I'm always, I'm always surprised. I reckon there's more talk about depression than anxiety, and I think a lot of people suffer from anxiety, and I've always been surprised there's not more discussion about anxiety. And I, I get worried sometimes, too, that the way society is and social media, and particularly the news cycle, I worry a lot about the role of the media in creating unnecessary, unnecessary anxiety. Um, Definitely, yeah. Yeah. Well, part of that is... Because, I mean, like, when I started as a journalist 100,000 years ago, um, there was, like, the news cycle was really clear. Like, yeah. you, you kind of had all day to write stories and then you'd post them in at about sort of six or seven-ish and then you'd go to the pub and then the stories would be printed on smashed-up dead trees and popped on people's lawns the next morning. Mm. But now, like, it's the deadline is sort of... Minutely, it's not even yeah. daily, it's not even hourly, it's minutely, and then the only way that you can kind of get to the top of the news stack is to be more shouty or more scary or more outrageous. So mm. you see politicians responding to that because they know that to get on the front page they've got to say something that's a bit next level. Yeah, yeah I did a bit of research about this in my award-winning book, Any Ordinary Day. And, um, no, but the human brain... So, say, for example, you know, when we were young journalists and, say, a helicopter crashed, the average television viewer would see that once. They would see that on the 6 o'clock news, that a helicopter crashed. Now, you might, if you're sort of in proximity to a TV or you're at an airport, you've got a phone, you might see that same story, say, 
18 times and our brains aren't that sophisticated so it doesn't feel like one helicopter it feels like 18 helicopters crashed and so that was a huge problem during COVID because things were you know you'd seeing it all the time so it would feel like like I would feel like hosting 730 say for example when vaccination started and people would be fearful of vaccination so they'd be like you know two people died today from a vaccine vaccine side effect I'd constantly want to go and 3,000 people were vaccinated with no problems whatsoever because we don't um, emphasise all of the good news. Like, the nature of news is that we emphasise the aberration and the one bad thing that happens. And so I, I am really concerned that the kind of news model in the 24-7 environment fuels unnecessary anxiety. Yeah, I'd believe that shit, yeah. And what about... What do you think of... Does that happen in comedy too, like when you see the kind of comedy or other content that people mm-hmm. are producing, what are the things that worry you about what's available? Comedy-wise? Yes, Dr Nat. I'd like yeah. to know your views. <laughs> <laughs> what should we be alarmed I about? I don't know. Just everyone's got like... Yeah, there's a lot... I mean, people are laughing at a lot of the wrong shit, I think, sometimes. But, you know, who am I to say what you should laugh at? So it's kind of... I tend to try and stay out of that a bit, but, you know, I think there's a lot of really heavily problematic, like we were talking about earlier, punching in the wrong direction, that shit, like, I don't think it's some people's turf to be cracking some jokes, and I don't think it's, comedy's rife with just, you know, it's a joke, it's just a joke, so therefore it's fine to be saying this cooked shit, you know? I don't think it is, I think it's, I think you need to kind of, you know, have a bit of compassion, even when you're trying to get a laugh, you know, you just have to think a bit harder and, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm certainly not the uh, snappiest comedian in the world, so maybe I'm not at that level to comment on uh, general stand-up, but, you know, I think, there's, uh, I think there's a lot that can do better, for sure. When I was, like, looking at that audience of yours and I think I was having a conversation with you or maybe it was Jules afterwards and just going, like, what is, like, what do all these people have in common... And either you or she said, um, are just non-dickheads. And like, isn't that a great thing? Wow. That, like, non-dickheads are a very diverse group. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's a cr- huge credit to you if that's your base, right? That's, yeah. What a great base to have, the non-dickheads. Yeah, fuck yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're all broke, but they are, like, available. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's great. Love a good non-dickhead. Oh. Well, anyway... We love you, and um, love you too. We like you just cheered us up so much during the COVID horror, and you just kept coming up with such great stuff. And you know, you kind of combine just a good, good heart with some just shocking insights and some very potty-mouthed uh, <laughs> commentary, which horrifies our children. Uh, no, but it's perfect because the, the potty mouth hooks them in, but then it's actually good, wholesome messaging. Right? Yes. I mean, it's ideal. Sh- it's exactly what you want. I'm thrilled that my children have heard that whole conversation. <laughs> right? Oh, my God. You are the kind of vitamins in the veggies. That's just oh, like... Absolutely. <laughs> Flintstone vitamin guy. Thanks. Mess that up. Thanks. Anyway, I look, it's very great of you to join us here this evening. Thanks Thank so much for having me. Like, so, so great. This crowd Thanks. of non-dickheads loves you. <laughs> That's what I reckon. You're the best. Thank you.
I also just feel like a thousand percent cooler now that I know Nat's what I reckon. That, like, he, that was a very cool guess that you've pulled off there, I think that's it for was. sure. How am I doing? Because I'm like... Oh, amazing. You got the ACO out. That was a real kick in the ghoulies <laughs> last night. I'm like, ooh, okay. I, nothing could top a Hamilton parody. I mean, my God, unbelievable. Well, yeah, I don't know. You had Richard Tognetti and an $18 million violin. <laughs> what about how... So that guy's violin is worth $18 million. And I really was, got it. Had a nervous moment last night when he was, was just balancing on this oh on your yeah, p- your I, Madonna I, plinth. I know. I was thinking, I who's thought, going to be liable for that when Crab sits on it? Actually, I envisioned you being the author of that disaster. I'm like, <laughs> sales bums a eighteen million dollar violin off a ledge, and that, you know, it never that, quite sounded the same after that. That Hamilton parody was so good that it could only have been topped if you now said Lin Manuel Miranda was out the back. Oh, come on. Please give it up for... No, I'm (laughs) joking. Look, I messed up two lines and I'll always regret that. But anyway, I'll give you a private performance later where I'll nail every single line. Nice. Uh, So, look, in the time remaining to us, which is not, you know, endless, I think, well, this is... That surprises me because you running the show, I thought it would be endless. Finish on time or anything, but I mean, it's not going to be out of control. But this is a pretty weird moment where you've only got four shows of seven thirty left, right? Yeah, and one one on the Friday night best of, which one of my friends said to me yesterday. So will that take the full half hour? <laughs> <laughs> oh, sick burn! Oh, my friends are such assholes. They like to keep me grounded. Did you, did you get to choose what was in the best of? Well, Callum's actually cut it with our editor, Fred oh, Shaw. Oh, so it'll be brilliantly vicious and sadistic. Yeah. <laughs> I'll definitely watch now. And Fred, I mean, Fred, who is a wonderful editor, has, it's one of my favourite anecdotes from my entire time hosting 7.30. The editor's the person who actually, you know, splices the images and the audio together. It's and the weirdest skill. Yeah. Television editing is like... I just don't understand it. I don't have any spatial awareness for television editing. But the difference between oh. a kind of a not very memorable television editor and a really good one is It's unbelievable. Nuts. And you can't understand what they've done to make this look incredible. But Yeah. The value that they add to the product based on what you give them on the script on paper is just absolutely extraordinary. And Fred's really, really good at it. Um, anyway, the, the editor very rarely gets a credit. Sometimes a cameraman will get a credit on something that's particularly well shot, but it's very rare for an editor to get a credit. And... Uh, so on this rare occasion, I back announced a story and said, and that story was edited by Fred Shaw. And captioning wrote across the bottom, and that story was edited by a French whore. <laughs> and Fred, of course, is the one who spotted it and he clipped it and sent it to me. I reckon I laughed for days. And I've called him Frenchy ever since. <laughs> so, one thing that I have, haven't really asked you properly before, but I think now is the, 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 the good opportunity, is like, I know you and your weakness for accidentally losing your shit sometimes when you, you get on a laughing, a cry-laughing gag, jag, like, and you can't stop. And it's irrational. Yes. But does that ever happen when you're on air? It does 
not not too often, but it does sometimes. And sometimes, like, really weird stuff will set me off. So Callum, who I find really funny, and because he was my personal producer, he knows me really well. He knows my sense of humour really well. And so he'll know what can set me off. Um, and he, But he's also great because if a story is, like, making me really sad, he can diffuse it. So on the, um, for example, the final, uh, the um, when I announced that I was leaving and I did a kind of lengthy on-air thing, which was pre-recorded because it was just so hard to do. Um, uh, I was in Melbourne and I was standing in the studio and I, th- and I was like tearing up before we started and I thought, oh my God, it was quite a long thing. And so I said, um, can someone get Callum into the Sydney control room so he can come in my ear? And so, you know... Sorry, you might need to just <laughs> slightly rephrase that. <laughs> For shame, there are children present. Also, Nat's what I reckon would find that very grubby. (laughs) So, Callum, uh, the next thing I hear, um, can you? Callum goes, "Can you hear me?" And I said, "Yep." And he goes, "Don't fuck this up." And so that, of course, made me laugh. And as soon as I laughed, I said, are we rolling? And then just went straight into it. So he's great at that. But then also, so Justin, who's now the head of news, who was our EP, at one point, Callum's basically banned from saying anything to me in the half hour on because he can just set me off so badly and so so rapidly. Anyway, there was a story that set us both off, and I don't know why, because sometimes really weird and obscure, stupid stuff that's not funny will just get me going. There was a story, I think it was this year or maybe last year, and it was a woman who did like bat rescue, and she... she Bats rescue, bat, as in... As in bat, the animals. <laughs> and I don't know why, but because it wasn't funny at all. She was doing this great service, but there was a sequence where she was like pulling their wings out and cleaning them with a Chuck's super wipe. <laughs> Well, that is funny. (laughs) And I was, like, in my head concocting this story about going to her place and worrying, like, if I went to the sink, like, well, is that the one that she goes to (laughs) So I got like this. (laughs) Trying to explain it to Callum, who's injecting his own funny lines. Anyway, so what happens is everyone finds this all really funny when I'm laughing like this until we get to about one minute to go and then they start finding it not funny when I'm still laughing and then when we get to 30, everyone's properly alarmed. And so they'll be sort of like, you're going to be right, aren't you? And I'll still be... Anyway, so then I have to think of really sad, awful things to make myself get it Like the bat's not making it. (laughs) Yeah, like what would happen if they weren't being cleaned with Chuck's super wipes. So, yeah, so... Chuck's super wipe is... And hopefully we can make an appeal for sponsorship now. Because (laughs) that's an amusing wipe. I mean, there's been a lot of wipe content tonight uh, in the show. I now puzzledly realise. Exactly. Is that like those bats... Are uh, like they're clean, but they're never having a shower. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is 
This is the kind of nonsense me and Callum will go on with it and suddenly it's out of control. Wow. Chris is hovering around with the cotton buds to try to like stop the eyes That's getting the problem. It's the, it's the weeping, yeah. isn't it? Like, yeah, exactly. And I mean, Chris can obviously get me going as well. So yeah, it's kind of the, the losing it with the, the um, laughter. There was one the other week that just made me laugh so Mick, my regular floor manager, is away at the moment because he's unwell, and so a, ma- a lovely man named Cole's filling in. And I, I don't know what it is, but Cole likes doing stuff at the one minute to go mark. Like normally at the one minute to go, everyone's on their mark, and you don't, you know, you don't kind of do anything at one minute to go because you never know. Like someone in transmission might make a mistake, and they might accidentally come to you with thirty seconds to go. Anyway, at thirty seconds to go, so at the, when I'm doing seven thirty, the first shot is a standing shot. She's not wearing those pants when she's uh, <laughs> or that top. You know what? Chris and I did try to wear them one night, but because of the tie, they really do look like John Howard's going for a walk. <laughs> And it was too also that necklace. It's got some teal in it, so it's got that's a bit of teal. that's off. So I'm come so on I'm standing like this, and I have a mic clipped on that goes around the back, and then a cable kind of runs down. But because it's a wide shot, um, if the cable's not in the right place on the floor, you can see the cable on the floor. So it has to be kind of put in the right spot. And anyway, I don't know why, but at one minute to go, Cole decided that he he thought the cable wasn't in quite the right spot. So he's literally on his hands and knees on the floor in front of me. And then they're at 30, and I've like looked at him and it's like a man, a full wide shot of me and a man just <laughs> on his hands and knees on the floor in front of me. Anyway, I got the giggles because I was thinking like, does so Cole... So snapped does the leash Cole, on him. <laughs> does, Cole know, <laughs> does Cole know it's 30 to go? <laughs> and so then I just start laughing and then at about 15, he, he kind of went around to the back of the camera and then so when they're like 10, that's when shit's real. You need to not be like even smirking because you cause everyone a lot of stress out the back if you're showing any hint of that you're not under control. But I just was like, just get Cole out of your head because I was imagining the show opening like, welcome to the program and Cole just like... <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I was filling in for you um, for like a couple of weeks many years ago and um, I was in makeup for checks and it was like, I don't know, a couple of minutes to on air and um, because I have difficult television hair, um, the makeup artist was just re-tonging a couple of curls. Um. So this is what happens when you've got curly, fuzzy hair, the counterintuitive way that that situation is brought under control for television is to curl it. I know, weird, right? But it gets the frizz out, which makes you look a bit less nuts. (laughs) And so, you know, so there was a sort of a stray bit that wasn't quite, you know, regulated. And so there was a sort of hot tong thing that was deployed but inadvertently Uh and none of us knew this the hot tong had been resting on a plastic tray Uh. and so when my hair wrapped around Uh. the tong for to achieve a more perfect curl what it actually did was fuse my hair into Uh. this melted plastic And then, so we were all a bit like... (laughs) (laughs) And then Mick was at the door like, where is she? We need her in the chair. And just 
three or four sets of horrified eyes uh. met in the mirror and we all just went... Uh. My hair is a spring now. Uh. It's a sort of a... Because, of course, the plastic kind of set uh. instantly and it was just like... Uh. And seriously, I mean, like, it was the funniest thing because... There's nothing as random as people working in television getting worried about a tiny detail that aliens from space would not recognise as a problem. Like, aliens from space arrive. What's the problem? Well, this woman has plastic fused into her filaments and she's about to be on screen and viewed by hundreds of thousands of other humans, many of whom do not have plastic fused in their filaments. (laughs) And this is of concern to all of us now. And all also, for no good reason, the, the clock is ticking on this situation. And, she, a, and as you say, so what, I mean, what did you do? Well, I burst into laughter just hysterically, just because everyone's faces were so funny. And um, there was sort of, I, it feels like there was screaming, but I don't know, there probably wasn't. <laughs> but it felt a bit screamy, you know, it was just, there was people like, Jesus! <laughs> and so this boingy thing is sticking up and I just went, cut it off! Just cut it off! Uh, yeah. And so, whoosh, yeah. cut it off! Panic, panic does hit at the, like, you know, a few it's minutes so... to go, Mark. It's like, yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that doesn't I've never found that stump of hair again. Like, it just, like, <laughs> I've got a lot of hair so it just sort of, it was subsumed into the undergrowth and was never seen again. But like, I, had a, I had a classic the other morning and it was the strangest thing. So when I went up to the Gold Coast for the Logies, which you talked about at length last night... Oh, did you go I, to the Logies? I, oh. <laughs> I only... I wanted to take just carry-on baggage because of the dramas at the moment with airlines. And so... Sure, such I'd, dramas. It's I've, amazing. <laughs> can really wreck your Logies experience. <laughs> So I, I decided what I wore on the plane on the way up. So to be I'd clear, wear... you took a makeup artist, <laughs> but no carry-on bag. Checked baggage. So she I decided. Light-ish. I decided what I wore on the plane on the way up. I'd wear on the plane on the way back, which meant it had to also be the outfit that I wore on the Today Show on the Monday morning. And so I thought to myself, okay, well that's slightly risky because you know I'm only taking the one outfit because everything else there's not a lot of room to fit everything that I need. So it was. Did you wear that ranger dress on the Today Show? No. (laughs) So I had I I had that that dress and I had these pants, a white t-shirt, and the black blazer that I wore last night because I thought that'll be presentable. That's good for a plane. That's good to go on the Today Show. On, so I've got through the week and, you know, Chris and I have gone out for a bite to eat, haven't dropped anything on it, it's all fine. I've had this kind of slight sore throat that I've been battling for a few weeks and so I get up at, you know... You're welcome, everyone. I get, <laughs> I get up at 5.45 on the Monday morning to go and make my makeup call and I've got some betadine sore throat gargle. I get dressed in the white T-shirt. Also a sponsor. I don't know how this happened because literally as I was... You know, I put it in and then I added the water. As I was putting the water in, I thought, geez, wouldn't it be a bloody massive problem if you dropped the betadine? And then as I tipped it into my mouth, I missed my mouth. I, it, was the, it was the strange thing as the thought was in my mind. Geez, it'd be terrible if I... What? And it's like, if you know what betadine sore throat gargle is, it is like, other than red wine, the it's worst thing. It's great, though. It's nothing fixes a sore throat like betadine <laughs> sore throat gargle. And for all your wiping needs. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, 
I just looked at myself in complete horror and then instantaneous, and I, my first thought was, turn the shirt around the other way. I've realised, no, no, there's a logo on the back of it. I can't wear it the other way. So what I quickly, does the back of the shirt say? Better than sore throat, Carol. <laughs> so I've, I've quickly ripped the shirt off and just put it under the cold water, which was fine. And it kind of, amazingly, it just rinsed it out, I think, because of the speed with which I put it under. Then, like, Paul Ackermans, our publicist, is waiting in the foyer for me. I've looked at the, the thing. It's like 6.02, and he's, like, got to be downstairs at 6.10. So I've got the hair dryer and I'm drying the shirt and it's like, it's not drying. Why isn't it drying? I'm trying to dry. Anyway, I had to wear like a damp, I'm like, wearing a wet white t-shirt on the side show. <laughs> and I mean, Could we all saw my boobs last night, right? So it's not like, good. what's wrong with you? Uh, I didn't have a second, I didn't take a second but shirt. I had my pyjamas, one outfit and my Logie's dress. That was it. So, this is a lady who has a spreadsheet. So I did the Today Show with a wet t-shirt. <laughs> We are fast running out of time, but I do want you to, like, just for the benefit of those who weren't here last night, um, there, was, there was a lot of Logie's talk, um, and there was a very weird interaction and story that you had with Sam Mack, Channel 7 weatherman, genuinely lovely, very funny person, um, who last night revealed that you busted him... The morning, the morning after the ladies? Yeah, he was on the way home from... Um, I, I thought it was a walk of shame because he was still in his tux and he was walking down one of the main streets of Surface Paradise and I've wound down my window and gone, oh! And, uh, but he had actually been doing the weather on Channel 7, but he'd been up, all, you know, as those guys do, just stayed up all night, rolled into his breakfast show, off you go. But the great thing was that he said, well, A, he defined it as a walk of glory, not a walk of shame. <laughs> But he also said that there was an element when Lee Sales like pulled up in her wet T-shirt, what, um, <laughs> alongside, he said it was like a bit like being busted by his mum, but like, but then he quickly added, hot mum, I mean hot mum. <laughs> I enjoyed that. Speaking of mums, my mum made me laugh where, so I sent her the photo of myself all dolled up, you know, after hours of effort and, you know, weeks of dress fittings and da 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 And she started, went, oh, lovely. I just saw that Costa picked up his suit jacket from the Vinnies in Narang. Owned. Yes, well, it's a good... They, do they go to school for the mum kind of, um, you know, oh, you've gone to a lot of trouble. Didn't really need to, did you? Because Costa, I oh, love Costa. Costa's much better than you or me. Oh, well, who wouldn't trade me for Costa? Sure. You would. I know. He's, he's everybody's favourite person. <laughs> Annoyingly, also just a genuinely lovely, lovely chap. He's unfaultable. Mm. It's true. And who else do you know who weaves flowers into their beard? <laughs> Very few guys do that these days. So, um, I bet you he's had issues with plastic and tongs at work. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, that happens every day as far as I know. Um, have you ever had a proper wardrobe malfunction on air? Like just as we get to the end of this block oh, of that's a good questions question. I've been meaning to ask you about 7.30? I'm, I'm sure I have, but none immediately spring to mind. Well, that's so a thanks story. for the prep. Thanks for letting me prep for that question. Mm. <laughs> No, but have you got one in mind? 
Well, I just told you one about cutting my hair off. No, no, I thought I was... you might have had one of mine in mind. I thought oh, you, I thought no. that might have been an underarm bowl. No, it, oh. actually, it, it's, no. Um, this is, has been a genuinely unsuccessful gambit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> unanticipated by either of us, but enjoyed now by all of you. Uh, you're welcome. No. Um, I just wonder um, if... You know, I've done, I know you've done a, a billion kajillion interviews and you're not allowed to say Paul McCartney to the aunt, like as the answer to this question, okay. but like, has there been an interview where you've sort of slouched in going, yeah, 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 whatever, and then you've got off, you know, the cameras have stopped and you've just thought that was gold? Um, I've had, I didn't go in with low expectations, but when it stopped, I did think it was gold, which was Shane Warne. Oh. The other one you probably should have ruled out other than Paul McCartney. But um, I, I just, when it was over, I just thought that is, we're going to run every single minute of that. And we did over two nights um, because he was just so open and authentic. And from the moment when I said, um, Shane, nice to meet you. Nice to be met. <laughs> nice to be met. It was great. Um, and it, I mean, I think I remember ringing you afterwards and going, that was unbelievable. Like, I would say, you know, something about, you know, how what a public figure he was and he would say an answer like, um, you know, yeah, I know, and it's hard to meet people and I've tried dating apps and I've tried this and that and I get worried because what if, you know they've already had their kids. Sorry, what if they haven't had kids? I've had my kids, I don't want more kids. And it was the kind of conversation where, I mean, people are rarely that open in an interview. And I, 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 I kind of froze thinking, God, I don't know what to say because I feel like it's so intimate. You wanted to protect him from himself. Yeah. yeah. And I felt like you know, if we were in a bar or something, I would have reached out and go, Shane, just don't overthink it. It's fine. It's going to be fine. But She's it's not in, worth it, Shane. Because it's, it's an interview. I was trying to think of the next question. And so I think I went... Do you? Uh, and he went. Find it hard to meet people. I do. And then he's just kind of <laughs> like he was. He couldn't have been more open. And so at the end of it, and the producer who was with me, Joe Towns, and we both just went. That was unbelievable, which was great. And it was. I was so thrilled because I sort of spent years con- trying to convince my colleagues that I thought that Warney would make an amazing interview. So that was really incredible. And then so the, this is about you being right. Exactly. And then the other one that springs to my mind straight away was, um, it was an interview with Renee Zellweger where I hadn't really wanted to do it. I think it was like Bridget Jones Diary 3 or something. And I wasn't a particular fan of hers. Like I kind of, you know, she's a great actor, but I hadn't, she wasn't someone that I was like, you know, enamoured of. And so I was kind of like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And then... um, phoning it in with Renee Zellweger. And then she walked into the room and it was... Honest to God, like this just ray of sunshine burst through the clouds. She was the funniest, most charming, self-deprecating, adorable human being. Like everyone in the room was kind of charmed by her within about 10 seconds. And I I just sort of thought, wow, that's why you're a star because you just walked into the room and you changed the energy of the room in an instant. And I just, I could not have liked her more. And, and I kind you of... chuck out all your like nasty questions? I did. I was just like, oh, Renee, tell me about Bridget Jones' Diary 3. <laughs> she was just... Could How are you finding been... Australia, Renee? Yeah, exactly. She was just so lovely and just megawatt charming in a kind of what appeared to be an effortless way which but of course we know is not effortless and so yeah that was one that has stuck in my mind as like wow I didn't see that coming but you were like amazing 
Listen, Lee Sales, Lee Peter Sales AM. Um, we are reaching that pointy end of the show. I've got one more little surprise for you. Oh, my God. It's a musical thing because, of oh. course, you're a complete musical nerd. Yeah. Um, and is Ginny still there? Virginia, come on out because she's a musical nerd too. Oh. I want her to see this. Coming. She looks like she's undressed. It's like I can see the small shapes of... <laughs> she's putting she's her top dressed. back on. Wow. <laughs> Can you just take that off and do a little twirl? Just show us what no, it looks like inside. No, she doesn't want to take it off. <laughs> <laughs> My daughter looked at you before backstage and said, she has got very shiny boobs. And I'm like, yes, she has. A professional made that happen. Belinda glossed your boobs. She shimmered them. It's good to have you back. Thanks so much for having me back. So, Lee. Yes, Annabelle. I want to pop back to that end of the thing because you're going to want to look at that screen. So this is the last thing for the night and um, this is a little message from a person whose life you've changed and it's music related and and Virginia and I just want to make sweet love to this man because he's so adorable. Um, I think, Terry, it might be time for us to roll... The tape. Oh, intrigued. Hello, and welcome back to Strong Songs, or as I like to call it, Strong Ten Songs Three. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about one of my very favorite songs, an iconic piece of 20th century music that tells you, in no uncertain terms, it's time for the news. right on this episode we're going to be talking about none other than the theme song from 730 so we're in the key of e minor here a classic key one that really gets people ready to learn about current events in the news maybe see a hard-hitting interview or two and uh it starts going up remember that we're moving up we go from e minor up to g major to a major the four chord and then of course the dramatic C major, flat six, resolving to E minor. Really standard chord progression, one that you'll see a lot of different places in a lot of different songs. Now the riff we should talk about, because the riff works beautifully over that chord progression. It's a kind of a minor pentatonic thing. In E minor. Now, pentatonic is important. Pentatonic, five notes, really gets you in the mindset to be greeted by a host who knows every single Beatles song ever recorded, but can't tell you the name of the Australian cricket captain. Now, something very cool happens in the second half of this theme music. Listen back to it and see if you can hear what's going on. So in the second half, we're going downward. We start on E minor again, but then we go down to D major, and then the most important chord in the entire piece, such a dramatic chord, A major over C sharp. So a first inversion A major, and then a C major leading back to an E minor. Such dramatic stuff, really beautiful. So now that we've talked through the particulars of the theme from 7.30, I want you to listen to it again and really just close your eyes. Well, don't close your eyes if you're driving, but close your eyes if it's safe for you to do so. And just 
take it all in, just really take in this beautiful theme music, try to hear everything that we just talked about. Okay, ears on, here we go. Cheers, everyone. Cheers, Crab. And cheers, Sales. Thanks so much for helping my Australian listenership be almost as big as my North American listenership, which is unusual for an American podcast. And thanks also for making sure that I get at least one or two requests for John Farnham's You're the Voice every month. Take care, everyone, and keep listening. Oh, oh my God. That... I'm actually going to cry because I love him so much. Oh, and you've gone to so much trouble to get Kirk and to do Hamilton. Oh, no! How fabulous is Kirk? Because... I just have only heard his voice and he sounds exactly like he looks. He just looks. I know, he looks so wholesome and adorable. And he is wholesome and adorable. And I didn't mean to make that off-colour remark about him earlier. I just like wanna just I just wanna keep him as a pet and also (laughs) and and have him analyse every tune that I'm even motivated to listen to. Listen, if you're not already on strong songs, just follow, subscribe, do everything that he says. He's the greatest human. And I don't have a relationship with him. I just sent him a message on Instagram oh. and said, Hi, my name's Annabelle. And he's like, I will do anything that you ask. And did he, and, did he cut that together himself? Yeah. Oh. He totally made that. And he just, and he sent it through and he said, Oh, look, here's a draft of what I'm thinking. I was just, I watched it and I was completely... Enchanted. Oh, that's so great. <laughs> this is the end of our evening. Um, forgot to mention earlier um, our charity tonight is Sydney Story Factory, a tremendous institution that through lockdowns. School kids having anxiety, all sorts of debacles have continued to change the lives of young people through writing. We could not love them more. And if you're in a position to support them, you already have tonight, but, you know, keep them in, uh, in mind. Lee Sales, you are a legend and we will enjoy the next four nights of your broadcasts. And then I feel personally frightened at the prospect of just what free time might mean for your impact on my inbox. Because, like, the lady has ideas. And the less busy she is... I've got sitcoms, I've got musicals, I've got, yeah, spy dramas, actual spy missions. Yeah. So stand by for that. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us here this evening. It's been magical to be here with you in person. Thank you to the beautiful 
professionals who work here at the Enmore Theatre. So perfectly restored. They are great people to work with. Thank you to Ruth Giddy, who uh, absolutely smashed the piano earlier. Nat, Ruth, are you actually there? Can we have some kids on stage? Are there any kids left? Bring them on, come on. Let's take a curtain call. Come on, children, are you still there? You can come. All right. Thank you so much. <laughs> the only one that's still awake. Thank you so much, people.